following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Good morning and welcome. Today we're going to take a look at just a couple of verses from Philippians in chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Complaining is kind of a killjoy. You walk in a room, you hear people complaining, you want to walk out, you know. It makes you unhappy. Complaining makes the people around you unhappy. And the problem is, it's kind of a hard habit to break. Once we get in the habit of being critical and complaining, it kind of sticks with us. And it's sort of a condition of where we are today. You know, we don't have to go uh, listen to the television or the radio very long when you hear people complaining about something. Bad news makes the headlines. We're always bombarded with things that are going wrong. By our own nature and by our conditioning, we tend to get that condition of the heart that likes to complain. Complain about our own circumstances, complain about other people and what they're going through. How's the house coming, Harlan? Listen as we hear together Philippians 2:14 and 15. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. So we're going to take a look today at what God says about dealing with the habit of complaining. And I thought first... I'd give you two or three biblical examples, characters from the Bible. You know, we kind of have a tendency to look at the people in Scripture as perfect. You know, those are godly people. They must be fine. We don't often think about them in a negative way. But today I want to at least point out four different kinds of complainers. And maybe as we look at this, in, in one of those four, you might see a little glitter of yourself. Well, the first one I call a whiner. And as a biblical example, these are people that are, they wake up negative. They don't rise and shine, they rise and whine. <laughs> if you've read much of the Psalms, you'll see that David is one of those. Now, we don't think of David as a whiner or a complainer. But if you balance out the Psalms and say how many of these are negative and complaining and whining and how many are positive and uplifting, it slants pretty heavy on the whining side. Psalm 73, 12 to 14. Behold, he's talking to the Lord now. Behold, these are wicked. Always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean, and I've washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I've been stricken and rebuked every morning. 
You know, he's basically, he's talking to God and he's going, Lord, have I been wasting my time here? Why take all the trouble to be pure? All I get out of it is trouble and woe. The telltale sign of a whiner, it's not fair. I don't deserve this. Everybody else gets a break. They took their money and started grumbling against the employer. We put up with a whole day's work in the hot sun, and yet you paid them the same as you paid us. Remember those whiners from Matthew? <laughs> Life's not fair. God never said it was going to be fair. It'll be fair in heaven. I look forward to that. He'll settle the score. But as long as you complain about the fact that life isn't fair, it just makes you more miserable. <laughs> but it'll never change the fact that life isn't always fair. Complaining doesn't work. We can complain all we want. It doesn't change what God has for us. David realized that later when he said this. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went to the sanctuary of God and then I discerned their end. But when he tried to figure it out himself, it was just whining. And in the end, he said, oh, I got it now. If I come to the sanctuary of God, I'll, I'll realize that this isn't up to me and God will take care of it. So maybe you're a whiner. But maybe like the character I pulled out of the Old Testament, Moses, maybe you're what I call the martyr. Their favorite phrase, nobody appreciates me. <laughs> Numbers 11, 11 says, Moses asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you, Lord? Put a burden on all these people, of all these people on me. You know, he's, he's, he's saying to God, why you pick on me? Give me this heavy load. I can't carry this nation by myself. What are you thinking, God? If you're going to keep on treating me like this, just kill me right now. It'll be a kindness. Let me out of this impossible situation. That's what Moses' heart was. These people are kind of prone to having pity parties. When they're sick or they're under pressure, they want everybody to know that they're sick and under pressure. How do you react when you don't get your way? You mount a campaign, a complaining campaign? Complain, complaining campaign, there. Well, the third, maybe you're a cynic like Solomon. Nothing will ever change. Well, you read through Ecclesiastes, you'll see that over and over. In chapter 1, he says, life is useless. You spend your life working, and what do you have to show for it? The world stays just the same. What has been done before, it'll be done again. What has been done before, it will be done again. Maybe that refers to parents and their kids picking up after them. I'm not sure, but... Or maybe you're the perfectionist. Nothing's ever right with this person. Nothing's ever good enough. Their favorite phrase, 
Is this the best you can do? Proverbs 27.15 A quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping on a rainy day. Drip, drip, drip. I'm, I'm pretty sure that wasn't Joel. No. Proverbs 21.19 Better to live in the desert than with a quarrelsome and ill-tempered wife. But before you laugh too quickly at those two, this refers to husbands too. Nagging perfectionists. Nothing's ever right. Always arguing. I know. (laughs) Nothing destroys the warmth of a home faster than complaining. Nothing destroys the harmony of a marriage faster than complaining. Nagging doesn't work. It just gets everybody upset. But I have found out if, if you push that too far, then at least you get to make up. You know. If your kids are constantly complaining, maybe ask yourself if you're setting the example. Did they learn it from mom and dad? Remember how the phone, the home functions. The whiner, the martyr, the cynic, the perfectionist, somewhere there's a piece of each of us. But it's not enough just to see what the issue is and what God wants of that. We need to find a way out. We need to find a way to conquer it as we see that in each of our walks. So I'm going to give you some five simple steps. And it starts with admitting that you're complaining. Admit it's a problem for you. I'm not asking you to look around and point out those people that you know are complainers. I'm saying, is it a problem for you? Proverbs 28:13. He who conceals his sins doesn't prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. And oftentimes the most difficult part in learning how to handle complaining is admitting that it's a problem for me. If somebody recorded you for a week, what would it reveal about what you say and how you treat others? How much time do you spend griping, grumbling, complaining, arguing, saying life stinks? You've got to admit it, it's a problem for me if that's the case. And then maybe write down the words, admit and confess. You know, put it on the refrigerator door and just above the steering wheel so that you see it throughout the week. Complaining isn't just a bad habit. Complaining is a sin. We need to confess it. It's serious. Complaining was a sin that kept the Israelites out of the promised land. God destroyed them in the desert, and it says because they spent the time grumbling. Seven times in Scripture about that group waiting to come in, he says they murmured, they grumbled. The reason they weren't able to enter was because they were complainers. That's how serious that God takes it. And so step one, admit it. Step two, accept responsibility for your own life. You are the one. You and the Lord have got it. Many times complaining is just an attempt to blame other people for the problems that we may have created or stirred up. Or excuse myself and put the focus on somebody else. 
I brought the problem into my life. I'm the cause of it. But if I complain, I can kind of shift that to someone else and take the focus off me. And maybe I'll even feel a little bit better about it. We like to pass the buck. It makes us feel better. Proverbs 19.3, a man's own folly ruins his life, and yet his heart rages against the Lord. Some people ruin their lives by their own stupid mistakes and then blame the Lord for doing it. Don't complain about how the ball bounces if you're the one that dropped it. (laughs) When I bring problems into my life, I don't have any legitimate right to complain. It's my fault. I need to deal with it. Many times complaining is just an excuse to be irresponsible. Not to accept the fact that I caused the situation. But Scripture says what we reap, we sow. When I reap what I sow, I have no legitimate right to complain. You're free to choose whatever you want to do in life. God's given us the freedom to choose. But once you've made the choice... You're no longer free. You're free to make the choice, but you're never free from the consequences of that choice. You're free to make the choice, but what follows, you're not free from. I hear so many people complaining about being in debt. Is it possible that you spent more than you should have? (laughs) You bought things you didn't really need? That you made a purchase you really shouldn't have had? Or people saying, I'm just not appreciated at home. Maybe you don't appreciate the others at home. We reap what we sow. Whatever you want in life, you've got to give it out. That's a rule. And it's not mine. If you want friends, you've got to be friendly. If you want appreciation at home, you've got to give appreciation at home. If you want to be put first in your marriage, you got to put your partner first in your marriage. The Bible calls that submission. What's best for the other? Accept responsibility for my own life and the chooses I make. The changes that are going to take place are because I choose to change. There's three kinds of people in life. Accusers, excusers, And choosers. The accusers are always going around saying, it's your fault. When Adam sinned and he took it like a man and blamed Eve. (laughs) And then he blamed God. You gave me this woman. That's an accuser. The excusers, I'm a product of my environment. You don't understand what it was like when I grew up. It's not really my fault. The people that are really successful in life are neither accusers or excusers. They're the choosers. They accept responsibility for their own decisions. And when they reap what they sow, they take it and they move ahead. Accept responsibility. Thirdly, develop an attitude of gratitude. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I love it when Scripture's that clear. We oftentimes say, I just wish I knew what God's will was. Well, let me read it again. 
give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God says, I want you to be thankful in all circumstances. Notice he didn't say, I want you to be thankful for all circumstances. Because he knows we're going to be some we like and some we don't like. But he said, I want you to be thankful in all circumstances. Because I am in all circumstances. I know that God's working all things for good. He has a pattern and he fits even the bad things into our lives into a good pattern. If we'll trust him. God's purpose in my life is far greater than my problems. So in everything I can give thanks. Not for the problems, but in the midst of the problems. I can say thank you, Lord. I develop an attitude of gratitude. I learn to be grateful for what I have. I'll tell you, that's a great antidote for complaining. Whenever you're complaining, you're usually ungrateful. You can choose on either negative or positive. Is the cup half full or is the cup half empty? It all depends on how you look at it. Why is it that we often don't value what we have in life until it's gone? We in America have got so much to be grateful for, and yet we take so much for granted. And I've heard American tourists say in their trips overseas that the Americans are known for their complaining. What's that say about us as a country, as a nation, as a body of Christians? Of course, there are little things in your life that you're not satisfied with. There may be things in your marriage that you don't like or things in your business or habits in yourself or your mate or your kids or your boss. But I believe there are also things in those situations and people that you can learn to be thankful for. What's the Bible say about us as characters who are supposed to be different? If the rest of the world is like that, maybe we shouldn't be fitting into that mold. We're supposed to do everything without complaining and arguing that we may be sons of God, blameless and harmless in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation in which, listen, we shine as lights of the world. We stand out in a crowd, we Christians. We shine like lights because we're different. Paul says in Philippians 4.11, I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. Now, that's an encouraging phrase. You could even memorize that. But I want you to remember that Paul wrote that from behind the prison bars. So here's the situation he's in. And what's he say? I have learned to be content in all circumstances. Situations don't dictate happiness. When you learn to be happy and joyful in spite of the circumstances, I think that's maturity. Not that I'm determined or controlled by the circumstances around me. Boredom, it's actually a complaint, a complaint against God. You're basically saying, Lord, you gave me a raw deal. I can't do anything with the circumstances you dealt me. Well, if I were you, God, I, I could do a better job. I'm bored, God, because 
You didn't give me what I really need in life, and so life is lousy. No, develop an attitude of gratitude. Fourth, look for God's hand in the circumstances. If you want victory over complaining, look to see what God's doing in the thing you're complaining about. What's going on? Why's God got it there? 2 Corinthians 4.17, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. That far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what's seen, for what's seen is temporary, but what's unseen, that's eternal. Paul's saying there are problems that are going to come into our lives, no doubt. But the way you look at them determines your attitude. Because God is working these things for good in your life. And the good that they're going to get that you're going to get out of them will be much more long lasting than the problem is today. The problem is temporary in light of how long you're going to live in eternity. So look for God's hand in the circumstances. Positive people realize that God is the one who's controlling the circumstances. God is fitting everything into a pattern. And God's purpose, listen, God's purpose is greater than your problem. His purpose. Why? Learn from it. Grow from it. Draw closer to Him through it. And accept the fact that God's allowed that there. The reason why over and over and over in the Bible we're told not to complain is this. Listen, complaining is in in essence rebellion against God. God put the, the circumstances there. He allowed those to be a part of your life. So when you complain about it, you're saying, Lord, I don't like what your plan is for me right now. Wow. I don't want to be in that spot. When I complain about the circumstances that are beyond my control, I'm really saying, you know, if I were God, things would be different. If I were in charge, the whole human race would be much better. (laughs) And that's rebellion. And that's why it's so serious. God says, don't do it. We're challenging three things. I'm questioning God's wisdom. You really know what you're doing, Lord? You see what's going on here? Is this really wise? You know, that's me asking Him. The one that put it there for me. Maybe I'm doubting God's care. I look at the circumstances. I don't like it. And I say, do you really love me, Lord? You really care about me? Or maybe I'm just forgetting His goodness. I'm focusing on what I'd rather than focus on what I have to do. I'm being ungrateful. Oftentimes the things I personally complain about are most often the things that God knows I need the most in order to become all that He wants me to be. But I have to be willing to accept that and take that and be willing to grow with that It's a warning light from God. He's saying, there's something wrong here. Let's change it. Stop complaining. John, start changing yourself. The only way you can change other people is by changing you. Then they're going to react to you differently. And lastly, practice positive 
uh, speaking positively. Practice speaking positively. You know, complaining is a habit. Habits are only broken by replacing it with something else. If you watch a smoker trying to quit, usually that cigarette will be replaced by something else to break the habit, in order to break the habit. Maybe it's nicotine gum, maybe it's a candy cigarette, maybe it could be anything. But if we're going to break the habit, we've got to find something to replace it with. Take the negative complaining and replace it with speaking positively. That's what I'm suggesting. Ephesians 4.29. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it can benefit all those who listen. The Bible says we're going to give an account every day for every single word. That kind of speaks about what I say. Paul's saying, don't let any junk come out of your mouths, but only that which other people need. The things that benefit them. My mom used to always say, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. I think she said it more curtly than that, but... Replace your criticisms with complaints. That's a crucial factor in parenting. Affirmation gets you a lot farther than nagging. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So parents, do your words help your kids? Or do they hinder your kids? Are you building your kids up? Or you're tearing your kids down. Be positive in your speaking. I think Heather's the benefit of that in our life. She may not even know. But when she was young, I was hard. If she did something wrong, I not only spoke to it. I raised my voice and spoke to it again and again. And eventually Peg would say, enough. (laughs) Are we building our kids up or tearing our kids down? So I'm thankful for your mom because you seem to have turned out okay. Do everything without complaining or arguing. And then he gives us three results. One, so that you may be blameless. You don't want the Lord to blame you, do you? Do everything without complaining, you be blameless. This means when you don't complain, nobody can find fault with you. Nobody can point the finger. Secondly, so that you may be pure. The Greek word here means having integrity. I'm not going to try to say the Greek word. Pure. Having integrity. Non-complainers are people of integrity. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. Our culture is so negative. When you find a person who's genuinely positive, they stick out. They stick out like a shining star. We need the external power in our lives that will begin changing us from the inside out. We can't get through even this rudimentary lesson on our own. It's only in the power of the Holy Spirit through a Christ who gave his life for me 
that I could be united with the Heavenly Father who cares about me more than anything else. And aside from understanding the gospel, that God sent his son, that he would give his life if I would just believe and trust in him, that what he took on the cross, he took for me. But that if it were only me, I mean, we, we look at the gospel and we think of it in a global, large sense. But this morning, think of it just for you. You know, that God gave his life on the cross just for you. So that by believing and trusting in him, you could be brought into the family of God and be reunited with God the Father. That's where the power comes from to overcome complaining or anything else. It's the Lord who then resides in me through the power of his Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for the challenge you've thrown before us this morning. We know, we've experienced, we've doled out the complaining. Father, help us leave this place today with a greater commitment to examine our own lives, to admit that it's a problem with us, to accept responsibility for my own life, to look at God's hand in the circumstances, and to practice speaking positively to build up others. For that is your plan, that together in Christ, the body is enhanced and empowered, and you, Father, are glorified. For we ask these things in Christ's precious name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.